This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. Welcome back. This is MPB Season Pass on Think Radio with producer Liz Gill. I'm Jay White. Glad to have you this uh, Thursday morning. On today's show, we'll speak with Mike Bianco, the longtime head coach of the Ole Miss Baseball Rebels. They're currently ranked seventh in the country, depending on which of the 27 National College Baseball polls you look at. And also, we'll speak with Brett Ladner. He's regional director of the American Cornhole League. Do you have what it takes to play pro cornhole? Uh, and they actually have a, a a great event going on tomorrow night uh, down on the Gulf Coast for a great cause. We'll talk to him about that a little bit later on in the show. But first, we're honored to have in studio Mississippi Sports Hall of Famer um, and uh, for a long time, uh, the executive director of the Mississippi High School Activities Association. We have Ennis Proctor in the studio with us. Dr. Proctor, how's it going? It's going real well, Jay. It's great to be here with you this morning, and uh, it's a beautiful morning, and it is. nice and cool again, so enjoying ourselves. Well, I think a lot of people, um, regardless of whoever it was that was going to be following you, a lot of people uh, think of you synonymously with the MHSAA. So since your retirement, what are, you, what are you doing to stay busy? Well, of course, uh, you know, I retired uh, back in 2011, and uh, I work out every morning. Uh, you know, I uh, visit with my grandchildren, travel some, yeah. and uh, my wife and I just enjoy retirement right now, but uh, mostly those grandchildren. That's good. But how difficult was it to go from not just being a coach but an administrator, uh, a non-athletic administrator for a long time, and then being the administrator of the Athletics and Activities Association to well, into retirement. Was it hard to kind of lay all that stuff down? Well, no, it, it really was a little bit, a little bit. But I tell you what, you know, when uh, uh, being an administrator as long as I was and being over the high school association for 20 years, uh, we had a lot to do when I first went in. Mm-hmm. And, uh, of course, we had to rebuild the association. It was uh, uh, really not in good shape. It was really an adversarial relationship to the schools. It was more of a rule-making body instead of a service organization and rural yeah. organization. And so there was a lot we had to do, Jay, and so that kept me busy. I was never bored. Uh, we put in a lot of new programs, a lot of new athletic programs and activity programs for the kids. And uh, so uh, I had a great time while I was there, and I think we got a lot of good done. Well, I mean, some of the things that, you know, reading back over uh, your induction into the Hall of Fame, Rick Cleveland wrote an article that laid it out really well. When you took over, uh, the association had had you know somewhere around a hundred thousand dollars in the bank um, and nine sanctioned sports and when you left there was there was more than two million in the bank and twenty four sanctioned sports. When you got there, what were some of the things that you said, okay, this is this is what we got to work on first? Well, you know, of course, when I interviewed for the job, I'll never forget, uh, they asked me uh, how I felt about the association, and of course, I, I was probably the only one that interviewed that told them the truth at that time, wow. because I had been a principal out uh, in, you know, the district and the Forest Hill, you know, before I left yeah. and went to the association. And when they asked me the question, I said, well, to be honest with you, there's an adversarial relationship out there 
with the association, and uh, there's some things that need to be done. And so they pr- proceeded to ask me what needed to be done. I gave them some ideas of what needed to be done. And at the time, I really was fixing to take a, another job down in Florida, a superintendent's job. Wow. You know, because I was retiring from yeah. the public schools. But uh, once I talked to them, and, uh, and uh, after I told them the truth, I think they were really kind of astounded that anybody would tell them the truth, <laughs> the board yeah. at that time. And uh, so they called me back a few days later and said, uh, you're in the finals and we'd like for, to talk to you one more time. So I went in and then they offered me the job about a week later. And uh, and that's the story. And then we uh, I had a vision and uh, we I had some great help. I had N.C. Bryant, mm-hmm. longtime athletic director in the Jackson Public Schools. And uh, Larry Thomas did a great job. Just had a great staff that worked together well. Uh, and uh, it was just a great time. Uh, Shirley Deer and uh, Joyce Franklin, uh, Mary Sheldon. Uh, I could just go on and on. Uh, Dr. Island. I mean, I had all kind of people that really just did a great job for me. And, you know, anytime you have a job uh, that uh, facing you like that, you got to surround yourself with good people. Right. And I surrounded myself with some great people, and, and they did a great job for and me. And it, I, I don't think anybody really thinks about how difficult a, how difficult a task it is to connect from that building on Clinton Raymond Road in Clinton right. to each and every big and little town that's associated with a school all the way across Mississippi from the Gulf Coast all the way up to DeSoto County and everywhere in between. It's a long, it's a long way. It's a hard, hard to connect to everybody. A lot, like a lot that. of schools probably, uh, I don't know how many we have now. Don Hinton and his staff out there now. Don has done a wonderful job uh, replacing me. I'm just real proud of the job he's done with his staff and uh, he's got a, a great staff he's put together and they're working real hard to keep things going and even make it better and I think that's what some Anybody that goes on a new job, they need to try to make it better. And I think Don's going to do that and has done that. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, it's, it takes a lot of effort uh, from a lot of people. But uh, we had a lot to do, and uh, I'm proud of what we accomplished. Um, one of the things that you wanted to emphasize was, you know, bringing um, the, the not minor, um, in, in college you call them the non-revenue sports, yes. and then also uh, uh, girls' sports, yes. kind of uh, into into my Modern times right. with the MHSAA. Right. How, how did you go about setting forth to do that? Well, we, we were in the dark ages when it came to women's sports and women's athletics, so we had a lot to do. And uh, we added quite a few things with women's athletics. And, uh, of course, uh, well, of course, we expanded cross-country, you know, for the girls. We didn't have many running at that time. We had more, so we expanded that. And uh, then we we continued with slow-pitch softball, but we built it up. But eventually we went to fast-pitch softball, mm-hmm. which is the sport, as you know. And uh, we have more girls playing fast-pitch softball than a lot of the states do. And all girls are, are great athletes in this state. I mean, yeah. you know, just uh, look at what we've got. Look at the Vivian's girl. You know, we're so proud of her. I Absolutely, mean, uh, you know, yeah. she's... All-American, been drafted in the, in the eighth, as in the, which was in the first round, I believe, of the yeah. draft. And she, I really feel like she's going to be the face of the uh, um, the Basketball Association uh, for mm-hmm. the women now because she's such a great person, too. And yeah. I remember when she played high school ball. But we have we added a lot of great sports, uh, you know, for the women, uh, volleyball, <clears throat> you know, girls swimming, 
um, goodness, girls soccer, uh, girls golf, <laughs> cheerleading, dance, uh, bowling, uh, just all kind of things we added for our young ladies. Powerlifting, you know, you wouldn't think that girls would be in weightlifting, but they are. Yeah. And uh, you'd be surprised, you know, how excited they get at those powerlifting meets. So, yeah, we, we did a lot for the young ladies, and they deserved it. And we did it not because we had to, but because we wanted to. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, it was something that we, I mean, we didn't we didn't feel like we were pressured by Title IX or anything like that. Right. We did it because we felt like all girls needed that. You know, we had other things, of course, that we added for the boys, too, through the years. But the girls uh, had really been left behind uh, by the association. So I think we, we sort of pioneered some of that. Uh how difficult is it? And it, you know, sometimes the governing body of high school sports, um, the, the, the I guess the association in general, sometimes the coaches get together and they make decisions that don't necessarily look um, – they're not favorable to the general right. public. Sure. And the MHSAA, sure. has they, they're put in a position where they kind of have to defend them. And I, I've, I've talked to Don Hinton, the current yes. executive director, about this a couple times, and, and he – um, he has to remind everybody that they at this at this point. And I don't know if it's always been yeah. that way because you talked about right, sure. the role that the association right. played when you first got there. Sure. And that was different. Uh-huh. But he has to remind people that they are just a representative of their member body, right. and uh, you know they just enforce what what is voted in by the people who that's they right. represent. And that's interesting. Mm-hmm. That's an interesting it relationship. Really, it really is because what people don't realize each uh, each district you have eight districts in the state. And you have uh, representatives from each of those districts, and then you have board members from each of those districts. And uh, when anything, any rule that is made has to come out of a district and then voted on by the entire state association. Mm -hmm. And uh, uh, like Don said, they meet several times a year, and they uh, vote on something that has to pass twice, you know, to be a rule. And uh, then, of course, then the association, uh, it's their responsibility to enforce that rule. Sometimes it doesn't make everybody happy, right. <laughs> especially if you're on the opposite end, you know. Right, yeah. But uh, but it's you, generally, I think we, that we were very fair over the years, and I think Don and his group have been very fair, and uh, and uh, that's what it's all about. You've got to, you know, you got to have rules and regulations and enforce mm-hmm. those rules because you'd have total bedlam in your schools if you didn't. Right, absolutely. Um, the playoffs. Uh, the the playoffs came a long way from from what they were. Like when you were a coach, it was yeah. I mean there weren't playoffs in some sports like football, right. for example. Right. There were bowl right. games. Oh yes, yes. And um, so the the playoffs really came a long way, and the championships. Oh yes. When you got there, the championships were like sometimes they were at, uh, at Mississippi College, yeah. Yeah. Um, different stadiums around the Jackson area. Right, right. And now now they're in these humongous stadiums, and I think yeah. brought brought about because you know you and your staff proved that you could you. You could play Veterans Memorial Stadium, right. and it would be okay. Right. It'd work out. Well, we really felt like, you know, that uh, when when I went in there uh, and uh, explained to the board, uh, you know, we need to have the best venues we can for our kids. And uh, we need to make it a happening for our kids and the fans. And so we did. We, we went to the best venues possible. We were at Mississippi College there for one year, and, and MC, of course, is where I graduated from. Mm-hmm. It's a great school. and uh, But uh, I think Moss Point was playing PQU 
June and it was an overflow crowd and we didn't have enough seats Goodness. out there. So, <laughs> so yeah. But anyway, it was a great crowd out there. And uh, so uh, uh, MC just did not have the stands, you know, or the facilities for yeah. us to, to stay there. So uh, I talked to the people at Memorial Stadium at that time. We moved to Memorial Stadium and our schools loved it at that time. It was a great place to play, uh, you know, and it was kind of in the center of the state. And, uh, and I know that Don and uh, his staff had to move it, you know, to these other colleges, and that and that's a great place to stay too. I've been to the playoffs since they moved them, and uh, Don and his staff have done a great job with that. Um, and uh, of course, the basketball we played in the big house, you know, and then and, yeah. and, and, and you know, then I moved the playoffs and baseball out to uh, uh, Pearl, you know, at mm-hmm. uh, Trustmark Park. So we had some great venues, and uh, and Association still has some great venues. So you know, you want to make it a happening for your kids and your fans, and, and make it as enjoyable as possible and and make it special because you know you're only in high school once right. you know and you want to you want to you want to do everything you can for those youngsters absolutely now um you're sitting here at mpb and uh i'd be remiss if i didn't ask you about the relationship that mpb and the mhsaa had putting the championships in uh in two of the main sports anyway on television for a long long time well i tell you what i uh when i was in uh, the association uh, i couldn't have asked for a better relationship uh we had some uh had a great relationship with MPB. They did a great job for us, uh, you know, statewide. I mean, I mm-hmm. uh, heard nothing but compliments for, for that time. I know that uh, the uh, National Federation has their own network now, and, mm-hmm. and they're working with Don on that. And uh, But uh, I know the time that I was here, uh, it was a great relationship with MPB. Y'all did a wonderful job. I mean, it was uh, produced well. I mean, statewide, uh, people were always complimentary, and uh, you could get it uh, easy. And I think that was really a big advantage uh, that y'all had. After your uh, your, your time uh, with the MHSAA and, and and being a principal at you know three different high schools, a coach in a couple of different sports at a couple of places, um, what is it that you what is it that you're most proud of that you've left behind, or maybe what is it that you want to be remembered for ultimately, or do you think about that kind of stuff? Well, you know, I think every everybody, you know, likes to be remembered uh, for something. I, I just want the uh, only thing I'd want to be remembered for, Jay, would be that I, I really believed in what was uh, best for the kids. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, what what what's best for our athletes? What's best for our coaches? Uh, I mean, uh, we we try to do the best we can for them, and 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 that I was fair. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I know I had to make some tough decisions when I was in there, but I tried to be fair with all the kids and all the coaches and uh, the entire state and uh, I think that's you know if I had to be remembered for anything uh, that would be it uh, I had the pleasure too to serve as uh, president of the National Federation of State High Schools yeah. and uh, you know and uh, and we got some good things done when I was in there on concussions and, and uh, wow. bat speed and some things like that so you know that that was something that I was proud of too but mostly that I you know that I was just a good man good example and, and tried to do the best I could for my coach and, and my kids statewide, my teachers, all the ones that were sponsors. You know, we were an activities association. You know, we had the bands and the drill teams, the cheerleaders. We had all these other kids, too. There's choral music, uh, speech yeah. and debate. We did all those. And sometimes, you know, people don't remember that. But we had all those things, too. And and so we tried to do a great job for all the kids in, in the state and activities uh, and yeah. athletes, too. As I remind people, it's not athletics associates, it's activities. That's right. 
that's, that's exactly right. That's uh, right. And that's yeah. pretty cool. Yes, and yes, I know yes, a lot of people over the years have been appreciative yes, of that. Yes, sir. Um, let me ask you about uh, Willis Steen Heiss. He passed away uh, just this past great week. Friend, great friend. Uh, you and him worked, uh, if, if not at the same school at the same time, close together, I know. Both yes. of you have history at Wingfield yes, in South yes, Jackson. Yes. He, in addition to winning a state championship in baseball at Wingfield, is um, largely uh, him and Fish, his right-hand man. Oh, yeah, Fish. Oh, largely yeah, responsible yeah. for the the uh, the semi-pro and amateur yes. baseball culture in Mississippi for a yes. long, long time. Yes, yes. Well, of course, Coach Steenhouse and I were dear friends. Uh, you know, I... Uh, I went to see him several times, uh, you know, before he passed. Uh, went to see him in the hospital and then uh, in the hospice. And uh, and uh, he always knew me. Uh, uh, I think he's in a better place now. He and I prayed together when I was there. And uh, Willis, yeah. uh, uh, Willis uh, was uh, in a good frame of mind as far as, you know, uh, having to go to the promised land at this time. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he and I were great friends, and he coached my son. And uh, my son ended up playing some college baseball out at Mississippi College for Tom Gladney, and uh, he thinks the world of Willis too. Yeah. And uh, so he was uh, Willis was a great, great coach, a fine person, and a good friend of mine. And I tell you what, and he, Fish was a good helper to him. Absolutely, Fish, Fish still out there. He's he is junior high out there at Brandon. You know, so. he is. Good. Fish and, is a good. You boy. know, um, Steve Renfro too. He's a good one. Absolutely. Uh, He's running the Smith Will Stadium yes, now. That's right. Uh, and, you know, Coach Steenhouse, He was. Um, he was he was kicking right up until the end. I mean, I, in February, I watched. Uh, I was at a high school baseball tournament that was at Smith Wills, and he was doing PA, and oh. he he umpired baseball uh, <laughs> basically up up into his eighties. Oh, he did. He was refereed umpire. basketball yeah. for refereed, a long time. He refereed, refereed basketball when he yeah. was about eighty, I think. Uh, <laughs> he was eighty two, of course. He was eighty two when he when he passed. But uh, yeah, Willis uh, Willis did it all. I mean, he he refereed basketball. Ball. He was. Uh, he didn't even do baseball, and he was a fine baseball coach. But a lot of people uh, about Willis, uh, they don't realize what a great basketball coach he was. He when he was at Central, I mean, he yeah. did a heck of a job. I mean, he was a fine coach in uh, in basketball too, as well as baseball. And then I was coaching baseball before he came to Wingfield, you uh-huh. know. And we had some really good teams at that time too. But uh, never forget, uh, you know, when he won that state championship, uh, I went up there to see it. He beat Greenville, you know, in the final. And that was that was a great victory for him. And uh, but anyway, it was uh, he was a great fellow. Absolutely, Coach. Thank you so much for your time. Do people still call you Coach? Oh, so I, you know, some people call me Coach, and some you know some remember me as being over the association and call me Doctor. And mm-hmm. some I, I've got all kinds of names, but I answered anything. But I'm proud of that title, Coach, too, Absolutely. because you know that's uh, you can always tell what era they were in. You know, if they were in, if I coached them, or if I was a principal, or if uh-huh. I was over the association by what they called me. But I answered to just about anything, Jay, and I I appreciate you having me on today. It was great to talk to you. I appreciate you you being here. That's uh, Dr. Dr. Coach Ennis Proctor. (laughs) Um, And uh, we'll take a break here. Really appreciate uh, Dr. Proctor being on the show this morning. All right, so when we come back, uh, coming up on the show today, um, for the rest of the time, we have to we speak with Mike Bianco, head baseball coach at Ole Miss, currently the seventh-ranked team in the country. Also, we have Brett Ladner, regional director of the American Cornhole League for the state of Mississippi. It's all coming up on MPB Season Pass on Think Radio.
If you've enjoyed this interview, we invite you to go to our website, mpbonline.org slash season pass to hear more interviews with Mississippi Sports Hall of Fame members. Welcome back. This is MPB Season Pass on Think Radio with producer Liz Gill. I'm Jay White. Again, thanks to uh, Dr. Ennis Proctor, longtime director of the MHSAA, for coming in studio with us on this Thursday morning. Going to go from the longtime director of the MHSAA to the longtime head baseball coach of the Ole Miss Rebels, Coach Mike Bianco. Coach, uh, so how are you? Good morning. Thanks for being on. I'm doing good, thank you. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Tell me about um, uh, you know the the anticipation and excitement uh, as a coach for this season. Last year, you had a really really young team, uh, and the guys you know they, they they really cut their teeth on last season. All things considered, I mean it was still I mean you were well above 500 and had a good year, but um, th- this year really coming into what the expectations were for the great recruiting class from a couple of years ago. So tell me about this season. Well, you know, obviously for us, you know, last year was a disappointment. I appreciate the, the nice words, but uh, it's not just about having a winning record. It's, it's about getting to postseason and, and trying to get on that road to Omaha. And last year with the number one ranked recruiting class, and as you said, a very young you know, team, a lot of freshmen played. And, and uh, it was a very uh, up and down season for us. And we ended up not making postseason for the third time, uh, only the third time in 17 years. Uh, but I think this year, you know, the group, uh, you hear the word experience so much, I think, and then athletics, but it's so, it's so significant. And, and you can truly see it this year, uh, where guys just a year removed from maybe having a tough year or having terrific years and, uh, just a much more confident group. And, uh, and, uh, to this point, we've gotten off to a great start. I think, uh, we won our 30th game last night. We're 30 and eight, uh, ranked anywhere from probably 7 to 11 in the country and, and been pretty consistent uh, you know, throughout the season. You know, just uh, played a lot of good baseball. Uh, well, you know, I, I, going back to last year, I think a lot, there are a lot of programs, and some fans you can't convince of this. You know, it is what it is. But there are a lot of programs that would love for 32 and 25 to be the terrible seasons. Um, <laughs> but uh, anyway, so, uh, you know, this, this season, uh, what did you say, that, you know, 17 years, uh, on the job. So tell me, how do you continue to uh, change and evolve? Is there much changing and evolving, or is it kind of sticking uh, to and, and executing properly uh, a base set of fundamentals? I think it's I think it's both. I think you know, we have a system, we have a foundation of what the program's all about. And, you know, there's things that we do that uh, we did when I was a player at LSU in 1988, and so there's things that you know have, uh, stood the test of time, and uh, that we really think is that foundation of, of who we are. You know, we call it our system. But I think you know one of the great things about the system is the game changes, people change, society changes, cultures change. 
change you know outside your program and, and I think you have to be aware of that and uh, technology changes you know some of the things that we do and and I think one of the things that uh, I'm proud of is over time you, 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 you change some things and it's not changing who you are but it's really changing with you know with life and way you know life is and the way kids are and from recruiting to so maybe some type of technology that changes maybe the way we evaluate or do certain things and so I think it's a little bit of both I think you know we have a solid system foundation of you know, who we are but I think over you know now in my 18th season here uh, we we've changed some things periodically to keep up with the times that's interesting because I I've, I've never thought to ask um, you know any college coach I mean of course Moneyball and that's look that's almost 20 years ago now that how that story went down but the the evolution of um, sure. sabermetrics and and mm-hmm. more advanced statistics and, and advanced scouting I know what the, the big thing now is is shifting shifting to a fault uh, yeah. <laughs> with some teams well, you how, how so do you more, you just have so much more information now than, yeah. than you once did and you know back in you know uh, mid-century 1950-1960 people talked about batting average and ERA but as you really crunch numbers down in baseball the, 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 the optimal statistics for you know you, you start to figure out other statistics that when you quantify them may uh, show success and failure at a greater rate than maybe batting average or ERA and that's where sabermetrics came in where maybe on base percentage maybe slugging percentage maybe those things are maybe more more important, God forbid, than the batting average. <laughs> and so, some people believe in it, some people don't. But it's it's really it's it, you know they're they're facts and they're numbers. You know now I think you know some of the different things. You know you talked about the shifting, but also some of the other data through technology where uh, there's a TrackMan computer at every uh, school in the SEC, and, it, and all it does is take a lot of data information to how fast the ball's coming in, at what angle the ball's coming in and what spin rate is coming in and then when it's hit wow. you know what happens to the ball what you know the trajectory how far how fast the ball comes off the bat and so on that's why you see now hey he hit that home run 390 feet or 422 feet they came off the bat at 108 miles an hour and some of those numbers can be overwhelming and I think one of the things that we're trying to do now in college baseball is what numbers are relevant to us and they may not be the same that are relevant to professional baseball just because they're picture is bigger. You know, they're, they're looking at kids. They play over, you know, twice as many, almost three times as many games. You know, what 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 what, what are they going to be able to use, but what are we going to be able to use to help us have success as far as, you know, some of the data that's out there. Mike Bianco is our guest, the head baseball coach at Ole Miss. And, uh, Coach, let me ask you about a couple of players have have really interesting stories to tell uh, already in their career. Let me ask you about Greg Kessinger this year, hitting over 300. Uh, you know, he's he's got a name synonymous with Ole Miss baseball about as much as there is one. Uh, he comes in to much fanfare, doesn't, you know, doesn't take the pro route, comes in, walks in as a true freshman to the shortstop position, uh, again, with all the, the, the family tradition and the name and everything, and he, he struggles through his first season. A, a, a tremendous amount of pressure, played banged up through a lot of the season also, and struggled uh, statistically anyway. Now this season he's come back and he's, he's really bounced back and he's having a great season. Tell me, if you will, about you know his, his road through his freshman season and, and how he's transformed from then to where, where he is today. 
Well, one, you know, he's a terrific kid and, and obviously comes from a terrific family, not just athletically, but, you know, uh, one of those, uh, you know, le- legend-type families in our in our uh, you know, community here in Oxford. And, you know, from Don and Carolyn, the, the, the grandparents, uh, to uh, Kevin, the father, and Keith, the brother that does, does our radio and was a great college coach as well. I mean, just great people, great baseball family. And, you know, Greg comes in and it's tough. It's the Southeastern Conference and when your name's Kessinger and you play for, for Ole Miss, it's, you know, there's there's a lot of added pressure to you. Yeah. And But the other thing that people forget because they looked at the batting average last year that was you know, a little bit below 200 and, and, you know, you look at those easy statistics, but one of the things that people don't mention is, you know, he had a really good year defensively uh, at shortstop and there's not a lot of kids that can come in as a true freshman and start at shortstop every single day. And so, you know, I'm proud of on that side of the ball, or you know, he, he did so well, uh, but off, obviously, offensively, wasn't a wasn't the year that he was expecting. And you got to be proud of the kid the way he's hung in there, um, didn't blame anything, but just went out there and through his hard work, uh, you know, he's having a terrific year. Like you said, hitting over 300, having another great defensive year, and and really has been uh, one of those uh, I think stories on the team that uh, that make you you know realize you know. What, what a year you know, of experience makes in, in, in a kid's life. Yeah, the, the, the other one uh, is uh, the, the, the human interest story that's really broken out from the team this year. Parker Crazy, of course, uh, who's, who's been an incredible hand for you coming out of the bullpen uh, in 15 games, a 173 IRA, 2-0. And uh, what is this, a 43-5 to strikeout-to-walk ratio? Yeah. That's, <laughs> that's, that's insane. That's optimal. Video number, video game. <laughs> right. But uh, he, he had an unusual path to where he sits uh, in in your bullpen and, and his importance to you on a game-to-game basis. If you could tell us a little bit about his road to where he is today. Well, he's, he's dealt, uh, you know, personally and we say professionally, but in sports when I say professionally, sure. uh, with a lot of adversity. He, he's dealt in his personal life uh, with uh, friends passing, uh, you know, with uh, three different friends passing. You know, he's dealt more with death at, at such a young age, at 20 years old, than, you know, some of us deal with in, in a lifetime. And, uh, you know, he's just dealing with with it as a, as a, as a you know, young adult and even teenager. Uh, but then when you put on top of that, he's, that he's trying to be a, a student athlete in the Southeastern Conference and, and maybe the most pressure-packed position as, as a pitcher uh, and a guy that uh, didn't make the, the, the team basically for two years. You know, he, he was on the team, but we you only have a 35-man roster, so he didn't make the, the active roster. He didn't make, you know, so he wasn't able to dress out. And uh, But he kept with it, stuck with it, uh, believed in himself. This past summer, he goes and plays in the Cal Ripken uh, Collegiate Summer League, and he's the, uh, the the pitcher of the year in the Summer League. He comes back as a, a, a good fall for us and uh, comes becomes a piece of our bullpen early in the season, but he's so dominant, and you read off his numbers just a few minutes ago, <laughs> uh, that you know he ends up turning into the closer, and um, they they have things like you know, mid-season you know, All-Americans, and he's on everybody's you know, All-American watch list and it's just a just a neat story and very proud of him as well 
Mike Bianco, our guest, the head baseball coach of Ole Miss, uh, top 10 team, uh, pretty much consensus across the uh, 76 national college baseball polls that there are these days. <laughs> coach, let me ask you, what, what, what is, the, the, obviously, the motivation is, and you've come incredibly close a handful of times, and that's to, to, to win that national championship and bring that home to Ole Miss and the state of Mississippi. Um, how do you approach you know, the back half of another season where you've got a really good year going and you've got a, a great team put together and you're highly regarded and highly ranked. Uh, and, you know, all of the metrics, the RPI and everything are, are looking, you know, uh, favorably upon you right now. How do you, how do you, you know, craft your team and point them, point them in the, in the right direction and keep them focused? Well, I know it sounds like coaches speak, and I know. <laughs> well, you're a coach. Uh, That's okay. Well, I know, but uh, <laughs> I think people roll their eyes uh, when they don't really truly understand. When you you hear people talk about, hey, you know, uh, you know, I just, you know, uh, going to use the process and and stay in the moment, and and those things are really true. And that's one of the reasons I think we've got to where we are, where you didn't listen to the hype, you didn't you didn't worry about things that were out of your control. Um, you, you, what you did was uh, you stayed in the present moment and controlled what you could control. So for a guy like Parker Crazy, that's just making a pitch. I mean, it's as simplified as you know, it's a fastball away, and can I deliver that pitch? And you know, if you know, if I do it or not, I have to move on to the next pitch. And, and can you break it down? That's really what the process is, because that's all you can control. Greg Kessinger can't control if he's going to have the bat, you know, good batting average or bad batting average. You know, uh, ultimately, all he can control is does he, you know, have a good at bat or maybe down to the pitch? Did I get a swing? Did I swing at the uh, the strike to let the balls go? Did I have a good approach? Those things that I can control. Can't control the media. Can't control the umpires. Can't even control winning, losing. Can only control did I play well or didn't I? And uh, and I think that's what's gotten us to this point, and it becomes harder to do that uh, throughout the season, you know, as you get closer, because now people are saying, hey, you know, only a few weeks before postseason and then so on. And I think most people start to look at more of the results and not the process. And I think, you know, you got to stick with the process, and that's just trying to be where your feet are, be present, and, you know, c- control what you can control. The Rebels host Georgia, who's having a good season as well, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. Of course, it's all weather permitting <laughs> with the way this year's worked out. And then Tuesday, the Rebels. In Mississippi State play the annual um, Governor's Cup game at Trustmark Park in Pearl. Coach, thank you so much. Congratulations on another great season, and we wish you all the best going forward. My pleasure. Thank you so much. Absolutely. Mike Bianco, head baseball coach of the Ole Miss Rebels. 30 and 8, I believe he said, on the season. So uh, off to a really, 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 really good start. That's Well, they're having a great season. It's, it's past start time here. So anyway. All right. Uh, when we come back... Uh, We're going to be speaking to the regional director for professional cornhole here in the state of Mississippi. Now that sound that may sound funny, but no, nah, it's 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 legit. And they got an event coming up on the coast tomorrow night. It's for a great cause. Stay tuned for that. It's coming up on APB Season Pass.
This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. This is MPB's Season Pass on Think Radio. Along with producer Liz Gill, I am Jay White. So glad to have on our program today, we have Brett Ladner, who is a regional director for the American Cornhole League and uh, is part of uh, uh, Mississippi Cornhole, which is on on Facebook uh, and is a great proponent of uh, the sport here in the state of Mississippi. Uh, Brett, good morning. How are you? Pretty good, Jay. Thanks for having me on. Absolutely. Well, one of the things that... uh, that Liz wanted us uh, to talk about is is a, is a great thing that you have going on. Uh, I know you put on a, a, a tournament every Friday night at the Buffalo Wild Wings in Gulfport, but on the third Friday of each month, you've got uh, something really special that you do with the tournament, right? Uh, yeah. Every so every Friday we do a a tournament, and it's usually a five dollar blind draw. So we pick partners out of a hat. Uh, but on the third Fridays we do a benefit each month, and it varies who who the benefits for, and we. We do a $10 entry that night, and half the money goes to the, the benefit. And this Friday, we're doing it in conjunction with Alan Hyundai uh, down in Gulfport. They're doing a drive, a buddy bag drive for foster kids. Uh, and we're going to help out and raise some money to add some Walmart gift cards to those bags. That's really, that's fantastic. So if, if somebody wants uh, to get involved with that, maybe if they want to even be part of the cause um, without even necessarily playing, of course, you'd want them to play and, and have fun and, and be able to you know experience the situation but if somebody just wants to help you guys out how do they get in touch with you uh, if they want to just help out with the buddy bag drive I, I would actually suggest they go through Alan Hyundai mm-hmm. uh, they're heading up that that front uh, so you could reach out to them uh, Jordan Hartshorn is their community outreach manager uh, he'd be a great contact there uh, if you wanted to make a donation I think they actually have some other companies that are accepting uh, donations for the bags so it's actually a, a group group effort uh, with many companies. So if you want to just donate without playing cornhole, uh, reach out to them and find out where you can give items or monetary donation. Absolutely. Very, very cool. We'll cross back uh, over to the tournament uh, here in just a moment. But tell me how you got involved with uh, cornhole. It's a sport that um, for people who play it a lot, the, the, the bug bites them at a specific time. And even for those who don't play it very often, it's it's still to... It's a it's an addicting game. It's extremely fun. Um, how did how did you go about falling in love with cornhole? Uh, well, it all started out on a camping trip with my dad. Uh, a buddy of his brought a set of boards out, and we played and kind of got to looking at it and said, you know what, we need to build a set of boards so we can have around the house and take camping with us. So my dad and I uh, went out in the shop the next weekend, threw some boards together, painted them up real nice, and I put a picture on Facebook. Uh, somebody wanted to order a set, so that kind of started a business there. Uh, a couple years ago, I went and played in a, a benefit tournament that someone else was putting on, and I kind of thought to myself, hey, I could I could try to do this and kind of grow my business through that route. Uh, so started doing that. Uh, the Haley Ladner Memorial Softball Tournament was actually one of the first tournaments I did. They, do, they were doing cornhole before, but it was just kind of – 
you know, everybody bring boards and kind of run it themselves. So I called and said, hey, I'll, I'll come run it for you guys. Wow. I'll bring everything, set everything up, kind of make it a little more professional. Uh, so we had a good turnout there. And then my next goal was to do a weekly tournament. And I was lucky enough to get involved with Buffalo Wild Wings in Gulfport. So last year we started a weekly blind draw tournament. And we did a benefit last year for the Hurricane Harvey relief over in Houston. Uh, we got the beer vendors to give out free beer. So you can imagine the turnout there. We had 41 <laughs> teams. And I was running everything on paper at the time. And it was crazy with 41 teams. So I started looking for software to run brackets. And that's when I came across the American Cornhole League and thought, hey, I've got some guys that are pretty serious. Let's let's give them a chance to take it a little further. And, you know, that's kind of the story there. Absolutely. You're you're a regional director for the American Cornhole League, correct? How'd you get involved there? Uh, correct. So I signed up just to use the software. Uh, but, you know, talking to some of the higher-up directors, they're like, hey, we're looking to try to get things going in Mississippi. You know, would you like to be a regional director? So I said, hey, I'll give it a shot. So on top of our weekly tournament at Buffalo Wild Wings, we try to do a monthly tournament, which is a regional. So they have uh, four levels of tournament, or actually five. You've got local tournaments, regional tournaments, uh, conference tournaments, which we're in the Southeast Conference, which is Mississippi, Alabama, Georgia, and Florida. And then you have national tournaments, and the the point is the chase to 4,000 points. Each level of tournament is worth different amounts of points. Once you get to the 4,000, you're qualified to play at the championships in Cherokee, North Carolina. Uh, and I think the pot for that tournament this year is well over $50,000. So oh, my. It's pretty neat. <laughs> so tell me about uh, the, the talent level. Um, I mean, do you have uh, kind of like a point of reference to what it may be in some other parts of the country or or how, how it stacks up statistically maybe with some of the other regions in the American Cornhole League? Uh, I, I would like to say the, the Southeast Conference as a whole mm-hmm. is one of the strongest uh, – conferences in ACL. Of course. Uh, SEC, right? Do do the chant? Okay. Exactly. Uh, (laughs) I think the Carolinas are right up there with us, and and that's where the ACL is based out of, so that's to be understood there. Uh, Here locally in Mississippi, I think we've got some great talent. Uh, It's kind of a bit of a drive for some of the upper-level tournaments, so that's kind of a you know, people don't want to drive that, so a lot of them haven't gone to those upper levels to see where they stand. Yeah. Uh, so we got we got some egos around, uh, <laughs> but we don't know exactly, you know, how good they are until they compete with the others. So we're trying to grow that and, and get them out there into these bigger tournaments. So you're based on the Mississippi Gulf Coast. Uh, is is part of your responsibility as a regional director to try to grow the sport in other regions of Mississippi? Uh, yeah, it's not necessarily a responsibility, but it's something I've kind of taken on just for my love of the sport. Yeah. Uh, so the regional director, what they're generally given a 60-mile radius. That's kind of their area to run and host tournaments. Uh, so my goal is to try to find directors throughout the state, and I've actually re- I've got guys hopefully starting up soon in Meridian. Uh, I've got a guy in Jackson uh, to hopefully get some local tournaments going there. But you know we're constantly looking for people all over the state because the more local tournaments we get going, the bigger our regional tournaments are, and 
the better out, the outcome we have there. Now, you mentioned earlier that you kind of organically had this business kind of grow up out of, uh, out of, out of your budding interest for the sport. Tell me a little bit more about that and how, uh, that is, how much you lean on that uh, these days. Is that, uh, is that basically what, what you're doing now? That's, that's your, your job, so to speak? Oh, no. This is a, definitely a part-time gig. Uh, <laughs> okay. I, I'm a software engineer by day, so mm-hmm. this is kind of a hobby. just gets me off the couch when I get home, uh, building the boards. Uh, Absolutely. Actually, I've kind of transitioned from board building to running tournaments. Uh, still get a few sets of board orders here and there. Uh, one of the other things is the American Cornhole League has a bring-your-own-bag policy, and the bags have to meet specs, and they actually have to be on a list of approved bag makers, and I'm actually on that list. So my wife and I, we make our own bags, and we sell those online to players all across the country. Very interesting. So do, do people try to bring in these squirrely bags sometimes to try to get a, a, an unfair advantage? Does that happen occasionally? Uh, it hasn't happened around here, but I've heard <laughs> of a few things. Uh, they've got different techniques for checking the bags, and one of the one of the fun parts is I've seen people with magnets, and you think about it, like, what do they got a magnet for? Well, people put, like, steel beads in the bags to give them a little more oomph. But uh, wow. I don't think that's a huge problem, but it's interesting because that makes cornhole an actual sport because, you, to me, you got to have some controversy to have a sport. You know, you got baseball and you can see bats get banned, so it's it makes it a sport. Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, if someone wanted to uh, to to look more into uh, the the Mississippi region as as the, where you're trying to grow the sport for the American Cornhole League, how would they get in touch with you and go about doing that? Uh, if you wanted to contact me, the best bet is uh, go on Facebook, find Brett's Cornhole Boards. Uh, got a nice shield logo there uh, send me a message and I can help you get started if you just want to find a tournament or you know just interested we have a Facebook group it's Mississippi Cornhole uh, join that group and you can keep up with all the tournaments and happenings we have going on now how are you as a player uh well, <laughs> so I am currently ranked number two in the state, but that is extremely misleading. Uh, one of the things I said with the ACL is the travel. Uh, so a buddy of mine and myself, we took a trip in December to Georgia to play in the conference-level event. Well, there was only three people from Mississippi that actually went. So we have a quite an unfair advantage of actually having those points to help rank us. Uh, so I'd probably put myself somewhere in the middle if I had to be honest. Definitely not number two in the state. So if talking to a newcomer to the sport, what would be a couple of the, the very basic um, you know, first-line instructions that you would give to them to be uh, you know, consistent about hitting the board? Uh, keep your eye on the hole. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, we don't have a ball, so don't keep your eye on the ball. Keep your eye <laughs> on the hole. Uh, a lot of people, you can tell a novice player by the way they throw the bag. A lot will kind of throw it like a rock, underhanded. Yeah. And the bag will kind of tumble in the air. And when it hits the board, if it does hit the board, there's no telling where it's going. Uh, if you look at a lot of the higher-end players, they will put a spin on the bag, almost like a Frisbee. And that gives you a lot more control on how the bag plays when it hits the board. Ah. 
So there's a lot of technique. You can find YouTube videos on how to throw cornhole. They're very, very helpful. Very, very interesting. Okay, um, back to the tournament this Friday. Buffalo Wild Wings in Gulfport. Again, if you will, for uh, our listeners, tell us about uh, what the benefit is and uh, where they can go to be a part. Okay, um, so that's this Friday, uh, along with every Friday if you're interested. But uh, every Friday we do sign-ups at 6. The tournament will start at 7, sometimes 7.15 if there's some stragglers coming in. Sign-ups are $10 per person. It's a blind draw format, so we'll randomize partners. And if you are new to the game, don't worry. We have two brackets. We have a social bracket for the unexperienced players. Very cool. We have an advanced bracket for the more, you know, experienced players that play every week. So no need to be shy there. Uh, Come play. And then it's a double elimination format, so you're definitely going to get two games in. Uh, First to 21. And there's some uh, backyard rules, like bus. We don't do that. Is it just first to 21? It's pretty simple. Gotcha. Okay. Uh, and then we're benefiting the Buddy Bag Drive with Alan Hyundai. Uh, so we're doing, they're gathering items to put in backpacks for kids that get pulled out of homes and get put into foster care so that they have some sense of normalcy when they get in that situation. Very, very cool. And I know you mentioned that it, it because of the controversy, that makes it a sport. I'll tell you, we had a, a cornhole league for a, uh, a short time here at MPB uh, a few years back and uh, it basically I think it ended ultimately because some folks feelings got hurt so I know exactly what you're talking about Brett Ladner thank you so much for your time and all the best to you and all the competitors uh, coming up uh, tomorrow night all right thank you Jay that was awesome and uh, yeah that uh, we need to bring that uh, the Cornhole League back the MPB Cornhole I would play See, I think, well, there's been enough. I mean, this was like seven, eight years ago. So there's been enough turnover that I think it would work <laughs> again. Okay. The, the the rivalries that became bigger than the game, I think, have had time to cool down and move on, maybe. And we'll have all that information on our website later this afternoon, mpbonline.org slash season pass. All right. Excellent. There you can also find all of our audio on demand. And um, there's uh, you could subscribe to our podcast uh, there as well. Uh, so there's some things that you could do. There's a lot of uh, um, uh, runs and walks and things like that that's going on. Uh, the uh, Run Foster Run 5K and Fun Run is uh, going on at the uh, Baptist Healthplex in Madison. That's uh, coming up uh, at 6 p.m. tonight. So uh, yeah, quick turnaround on that one. It's benefiting the Therapeutic Foster Care Center of Catholic Charities including a 5K at a children's fun run with prizes for the top male and female participants. Includes a post-race celebration. Uh, and there's a walk MS at uh, uh, Trustmark Park in Pearl. That's coming up Saturday, 8 a.m. Uh, the walk features one- and three-mile options, and proceeds go toward research efforts aimed at ending multiple sclerosis. So there you go. That's pretty cool. Live boxing is going on this weekend and on the coast, the IP Casino. Uh, Charles Dale and Chris Polk are on the card. Uh, the fifth annual Indian Nation 5K and Fun Run at the Biloxi Town Green. Breakfast will be served beginning at 7.30 a.m. For more, BiloxiSchools.net. Um, the uh, Gulf Coast Running Club, uh, April 28th, has their 5K race of discovery. It's a 5K run and one-mile run in Ocean Springs starting at 8 a.m. So there's plenty. If you're a runner or a, a marathoner, things like that. There's plenty 
to uh, dig into. Uh, I had a friend who the next couple of weeks who did a, that marathon in Fondren last Saturday mm-hmm. during the tornadoes. That's not good. A marathon during tornadoes in rain. Wow. How about that? That uh, tornado knocked over a bunch of stuff in my neighborhood. My neighborhood likes to dance with Mother Nature a little too much for my liking. All right. So thanks to our guests today. And uh, stay tuned. Coming up next is Southern Remedy Kids and Teens with Dr. Jimmy Stewart. That's next on MPB Think Radio. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand.